This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones, and our guest today is Joan Lynch. She built a career as a prize-winning TV and film executive, including at ESPN. And now Joan is chief of content for Working Nation. That's a very active and interesting nonprofit media company. And for a few years, it's been focusing public attention on issues related to unemployment. Obviously, the workforce picture has changed dramatically in a short time. So today, Joan will describe some of the trends she's seeing, including some of the areas where people are likely to be doing hiring. And she'll also offer suggestions about how communities can promote employment and about how individual workers can navigate the job market. Joan, Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm so eager to hear uh, some of your insights and hear about Working Nation. But, but before we start, could you give us a little background? It sounds like you've had a fascinating career in television and sports. And how, how did you um, find your way through media and into uh, Working Nation? Sure. Yeah, it was certainly an interesting path and and interesting with regards to uh, skills and and knowing what you're good at. Um, uh, You know, initially when I went into this field, I had the big dream of being a hockey announcer, which it turns out I did not have the skills to be, Um, although I still love love hockey. Uh, But really uniquely, I made the choice early on to go to a co-op program for journalism, um, really to go into sports but ended up through great management and a lot of hard work. I got hired very young at ABC News after my freshman year of college. Um, wow. I went, on to finish, I went on to finish my degree at Fordham University in New York while working full time, um, but had a really unique opportunity very young to have most of my learning done in the newsroom at the network in New York with some really great leadership. Um, and in the end, I was, or in the beginning, I was operating within this group within ABC News that was responsible for all the national and local news as well as international. So for the you know first four years of my career, it was about knowing what was going on locally, regionally, mm-hmm. and nationally, and being able to really um, narrow it down to what are the stories that people want to hear, what are the stories that they need to hear. Um, and, and then on the operational side, how to get it to them. So it was a very unique, um, education process for me, truly a co-op working and going to school, um, and, and being able to, to lead with story and to understand that it is in the end about telling human stories. So went from there to Yahoo finance, launched their first live streaming shows back in the late nineties, went back to ABC news just to build and launch their first live streaming uh, 24-hour channel, uh, ABC News Live, which is now ABC News Now. And and at that point, I started with show development. So filling up half hours um, with politics or entertainment or finance um, and really learned that in the end, I, I 
really am a development person. So one of the executives from ESPN came over to help me develop some of the shows for ABC News Live and ended up, his name's John Walsh, he ended up bringing me over to ESPN, uh, took a big chance on me uh, to take over unscripted television at ESPN, and then went mm-hmm. on to take over scripted live special events, things like poker, and finally um, launching ESPN Films, which included 30 for 30. So it, it, it set me up very well for Working Nation. <laughs> yes. Well, you've had a fascinating career, and I was thinking that your college experience is very modern. I mean, it's uh, the old it idea is. of four years in, in the Ivy and then looking around, it, uh, it's, it's pretty much gone, and you got a head start. But tell us, uh, before we get into the you know, workforce trends, tell us a bit about Working Nation. I, um, mm. I read somewhere it started in 2016. It's like um, you were way ahead of the curve. What's the mission and how did you get it all started? Sure. Um, we had, I had the opportunity to be introduced to a gentleman who founded Working Nation um, at, back in 2015, Art Bilger. Uh, and we really started with conversations that were really unique with him saying, um, I want to create a 30 for 30 about work and employment, to which I said, I think that sounds incredibly boring. And no, I don't think that's something I would want to do. But when I, I, you know, he and I went for months back and forth about what needed um, to be told in those areas. And pretty quickly, I saw as a journalist that the stories that were being told about jobs and employment and education, um, they stopped at a point. Uh, In fact, when you talked about education, it wasn't it wasn't connecting to, well, then what is the job at the end? Or if they talked about jobs, they talked about the jobs numbers, um, which is, I think most of us know, are just, they're not representative of really what the workforce is uh, experiencing. Certainly not yeah. then, and definitely now it's become more, um, more a trend to talk about it. But we were ahead of the curve. Um, Art allowed me to create a journalism group. So we are a media company we're a not-for-profit media company who has full journalism team that reports on the future of work. Um, at first, everyone thought we were just talking about robots taking jobs, which is not the case. Um, but, t- but telling stories through human, human stories around the country, all different fields, uh, talking about the trends, and really ahead of the curve because we've been saying for a long time that, like they said in Davos in 2016, we are moving towards a very high unemployment number. Now, of course, at that time, we had no idea there would be a global pandemic that would speed that process. Um, But we knew that the skills and the jobs in this country were not matching up. There was was over 7 million open jobs that couldn't be filled. Um, So it was a a lot of information for us to be telling and at the same time using journalism and also taking pitches the way I did in the past for documentaries and doing doing films about work. So how were those stories, particularly as you got started, you had a full team, you had journalists, you had great skill set, but how, how was the delivery? How were people getting those stories? Sure. So the unique part of Working Nation is that, you know, I live in Los Angeles now. I was in New York for 20 years, but there's so many production companies out here um, that do documentaries that you know, we all know what documentaries are. We know that a lot of them are um, that lean one in one direction or the other, given the voice of the director. But um, when we started 
working through what Working Nation would be and taking these pitches, we decided really early on that we were going to be right down the middle. Um, we, were, that we decided this was not a Republican or a Democratic issue. It was an American issue. So we started creating content. The first piece of content we made was an animated film produced by uh, Marshall, or sorry, directed by Marshall Curry, who won the Academy Award this year for documentary um, and voiced by Anthony Anderson. And it was a film called Slope of the Curve. And because of our background as journalists, we were able to do a deal um, and a partnership with CNN. So CNN Money released our first film, which is really remarkable. Um, yeah. and, we, and we also did a four-part uh, documentary series with Bar Barbara Koppel, two-time Academy Award winner, who I had worked with at ESPN in the past. Um, she did a four-part series that Fortune and Time Inc. released. So we, know, we knew pretty early on in 2016 that we had a unique model that we could get distribution through traditionally journalist platforms because in working with them, they understood that we were actually approaching it as journalists. Um, but we were, you know, talking about real people and we were talking about something that for the most part, the media was not talking about. So the disconnect between the technology jobs, uh, the, you know, the last few years, Mm -hmm. We've been hearing from guests on Jazz About Work, if not from other places, that all kinds of demand is out there. And yes. also hearing, particularly from recent college grads, that they, they were having a hard time finding jobs. So that's the disconnect that you were initially focused on, right? It is. It is. And there's, um, I had the opportunity to go to an event, the Lumina Foundation invited me to an event um, few years back at the Aspen Forum on Higher Education. Uh, and one of the, the last panels was a gentleman named Bill Hansen um, from Strata and Brandon Bastide, who's in my mind, a rock star who was a Gallup at the time. And they laid out for me something that really changed the way that I approached this. And that was this giant disconnect between the number of hiring managers when they were polled, who said, and, and this was in the high nineties, they said, um, I'm sorry, it, the, the high 90s was educators saying that when kids are coming out of college or out of these schools, that they are work ready. So educators were saying our students are work ready. On the other side of it, I think it was 11% of hiring managers that said that the applicants coming in for these jobs were work ready. That is, that is such a, a gap. And so that's what we really started to lean into to say, how, how are we putting so much money into our education system. There's a lot of good people and thoughtful people behind that. There's a lot of good people and thoughtful people and entrepreneurial minds behind business. How are we not connecting the two? And why do we have these 7 million open jobs and employers telling us we can't find the people with the skills? So that was really what we leaned into and started to tell stories about the places that people were finding solutions and how they were doing that. And that was for different groups of people, right? In some cases, um, what uh, people would, we call it low wage skills or low wage jobs instead of low wage skills all the way up to, you know, middle skill jobs uh, and into jobs like the trades that within the last 20 to 30 years, there seemed to be um, sort of a fall off in terms of people giving, considering those good jobs. And in a lot of cases, they're excellent jobs and they're very needed in this country right now. Well, that leads us to where the jobs are. I, I think I saw somewhere on your site that one of the areas is construction jobs. That's right. That's where, right. Uh, 
where do you see that happening? What are, what kind of jobs are going to occur? Sure. You know, it's interesting because um, even right now, as you talk about what's going on during COVID, one of the words that keeps popping up, which we've talked about for years, is infrastructure. Um, I know in my own neighborhood here in Los Angeles, the number of jobs that are being done on our streets right now when people aren't out on it is pretty astonishing. So um, the folks that are out there uh, working on from um, the plumbing and the welding to the streets these are all these are all good jobs. There's, you know, right now maybe less construction happening, but we believe that will increase. And there are fabulous programs out there like the Home Builders Institute, which you know we've worked with in the past. They're also a very good supporter of veterans. Um, and you're talking about an 80% placement into jobs at the end of a program, and that's not a four-year program. So when you start, when we start to talk about work, we only tell stories about fields where there's an at least 7% growth overall mm -hmm. going forward. We're not going to talk about the jobs that are going to be pushed out potentially by technology. Um, so there's a lot of fantastic jobs in those fields. And one of the things that's going to be our, our focus in the fall is starting to talk about the green economy as well. Um, we're going to do an entire month of content about, about that because there are so many positions now that people don't recognize that are actually within the green economy. Um, and, you know, there's there's 8 million people that are employed directly or indirectly with environment right now. But once we start to shift how we view what jobs are technically environmental or touch on the environment, I mean, you're talking 18, 18 million and up. So that's going to be a really interesting place to talk about both in terms of job growth and in terms of people that are already in that field starting to recognize their own value. And I, I would think with something like green jobs, uh, the green corporations that are trying to do things differently in a way that's good for society and the environment, mm -hmm. there are many kinds of companies. And so if you have a company that's thriving as a green company, they could need a whole slew of skills from accounting uh, to marketing as, as well as the technical skills, right? Absolutely. And I would take it a step further too and say that the companies that you consider green, there's m many companies that you wouldn't consider green, but they are. And you start to ask yourself, oh, okay, well, what does that look like? And we're diving into some of these in terms of the new jobs. Like there will be, um, there will be more of a need for welders than there will for biochemists. So, um, or things like um, plumbers as, as opposed to safety engineers or metal workers as, as opposed to geoscientists. That doesn't, that, that creates a landscape for a lot of different people to look at what they potentially are interested in from an education perspective and a time perspective, mm -hmm. what, whether or not they want to take on debt within a, within a four-year college or, or advanced college, there are plenty of jobs. And that's what I hope, what we love to do at Working Nation is sort of open people's eyes to the idea that um, that it, it doesn't have to be a company that has you know, a banner up saying we're a green company. When you look at it, there's a lot of folks in the building industry, a lot of folks in the, um, in the plumbing industry where, you know, Fixing pipes that are losing water, that is that is a real issue and yes. that is what is good for our environment. So it's for us, it, we always try to shift it 
a little bit. So people go, oh, I understand. That's, and that's a job that I could do, or that's a job that I aspire to do. Well, how do you um, get past the disconnect? If you're, say, somebody looking for jobs, you're a smart, willing person, but you don't know what the skills are, or how to get them. Do you have suggestions on how people can spot the opportunities and train for them? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of wonderful programs that we highlight through our journalism, um, both on our site and, and on, on podcasts. But there are programs, I think most especially is to look regionally within your local area to find programs. Um, we've recently highlighted one um, called Upskilling Houston, which is a really interesting one because for, for us, the model that we have seen work at a local level has been when business leaders and educators, um, not-for-profit, uh, when all of these interest groups get together and recognize we need to build the workforce of the future in our area, it can be very daunting as someone we all know. As, as some you go online and you say, what do I want to do for a, for a living and what do I need to do? Oftentimes you really want to look very locally and say, where are the programs that support me in my region? Of course, there's going to be opportunity in, in different areas of the country. But also, also to go into it with an idea of what are my skills? Uh, we say that a lot. It's, it's a part of what we all need to be doing going forward. You know, education does not end with a degree or a certification. It's you're a lifelong learner, which you hear all the time. But that really means what am I good at? Um, what are the skills that I have? And how can I make myself valuable to a certain organization? Um, so it's both on the local levels with these amazing organizations, and we've told you know I don't hundreds of stories of these around the country in Ohio where they're building their own first responders, um, firefighters, and policemen based on the support of a local bank, a local college, um, and and the local departments. They're literally creating the programs to train people and get them into the workforce and and relatively quickly. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. So one of the things that seems to be happening, well, uh, nonprofit journalism is one of the areas where it's happening, is that different groups of people, different kinds of stakeholders get together and say, this is what we need in our community or our region, and they figure it out. And it may be a different kind of collaboration than we would have had 10 years ago, but people are doing that, right? They are. They are. And, and, you know, that and tracking that job placement is is really important. But we have um, 
partnered with the National Governors Association and gone spoken at their events and and really watched how very strong local leaders um, have identified by really talking in their community with the business leaders and saying, what are the people that you can't find? Organizations like SHRM um, that focuses on human resources coming in and taking a look at what are you really putting on a job description and or what do you really need? Um, so some of the, the lexicon and the language is changing in a really good way. Um, what, you know, an example of this that I love and am very super passionate about is uh, with regards to veterans. And that's a really easy way to talk about this, especially during this COVID when people are transitioning, uh, they've lost their job, they need to get back into a field, perhaps that field is disappearing, is being able to recognize what you have done day to day, what the value of that is, and how do you translate that to an employer? So, uh, you know, I, I just spoke to a veterans group the other night and I said, you know, you need to do the work as well. You need to come in knowing what, what it is that you bring to the table because they're, you know, if you just look online and you just look at some of these and a lot of these job descriptions say college degree required, and that's not necessarily true, right? So, um, so knowing, knowing what your skills are and then knowing within your community or broader, which programs, especially now because of technology, there are a lot of programs that you can do from anywhere in the country, assuming that you have access, um, access to the internet where you can get the skills for some areas that are really growing. One of the things that um, seems to me is that there's also, sometimes you have to tweak the skills you have. There are all mm -hmm. kinds of online opportunities for things like uh, improving your business writing. That's something that holds people back sometimes in the application right. process. That's but right. you can, if you can look at some of your b basic skills, find ways to improve them a bit and then describe them in the same kind of language that the position descriptions are using that you can make a better match is does that make sense it does make sense it absolutely does make sense and it was interesting our our president jane oates um former undersecretary of labor for obama she was on the radio the other night and was taking calls and a woman called in and said that she had just graduated with a screenwriting degree she wanted to be in filmmaking and what should she do right now especially when our our business on the entertainment side is is on hold for a lot of reasons and and that what you just mentioned is exactly what jane was talking about it she's this woman was talking about having a very strong background in writing and and so taking that skill and being able to take it into a different area um, i think a lot of people are going to see that this is a transition period for them that they might be taking jobs that are not necessarily exactly what they were hoping for but are taking jobs that you know they can do but it and they don't have to be low low wage jobs if you are a writer right i mean i talk about that a lot if you're a really good writer there are a lot of companies that are in need of of that um so it is it's about taking your skills and and finding out where are the other opportunities at, but you're right also being able to to break down somebody's job description and say you know here's why i can put my best foot forward here and here's why i, I might be a really great match for your organization so you have to go about it almost like a reporter in, in that you can't wait for them and come to come and get you these days. Right. But what you can do is you can figure out where the opportunities are, where are the organizations doing things, where are companies looking, what are they looking for, and then how you can look more like that. That's right. That is right. And, and, there's, and there's programs um, 
there's programs out there that are um, are online that are supporting folks. Nifty is one of them. N e f t e. We did a story on that on our on our site that um, is is taking people through this process of upskilling during this process during this you know shutdown for lack of a better word. But we also at Working Nation are really very, very cautious about making sure that we meet people where they are. And there are plenty of people um, who are dealing with this issue, who are also juggling having work, juggling childcare, um, perhaps having their parents or their children living with them um, and, and not having the income they had before. You know, we also at Working Nation would want to be very careful that we don't oversimplify the concept that you can go online and get a um, some type of credit or certification. Some people really don't have the time, and also in terms of lexicon, are are frightened when you say education that they feel like it's a long term game, and that that means two years or four years, and it doesn't. There's some fabulous programs out there. Um, in you know data analytics and other areas where there's there is absolute job growth there's a lot of open jobs in, in data and analytics and we had a guest on Eric Bradlow from Wharton last week I think and he was talking about this isn't a young person's game you think data and analytics and you think you have to be young and tech savvy but that's not the case there's great programs out there for people that are in their you know 30s 40s 50s who can learn um, and transition into jobs that are that are really good job, life-sustaining jobs. So you mentioned veterans. That feels like um, what you're just talking about is a situation that a lot of vets may be facing. They're they're still in the service and looking to the future. They don't have any free time or they're struggling because Mm -hmm. they're out and maybe they're doing something interim. Um, How do you... Um, when you're talking to the veterans groups, are, is there a lot of special support for them? Or um, are there good starting places for vets? Yeah, there's some fantastic starting places. Uh, there's a ton, I mean, tens of thousands of organizations to support veterans and spouses. We like to talk about both. Um, but there are there are some, and SHRM, as I mentioned before, uh, is really working hard to help business leaders translate some of the skills and job descriptions of these veterans as they come out so that the employers understand what their experience is. Um, but, it, you know, we did an entire month in November. Uh, it was funded by Clint Eastwood's Family Foundation where we only talked about veterans and work and really fascinating, fa- fascinating topic. And And the DOD has gotten better about uh, these programs and starting them up pre-transition, so before people are coming out. Uh, but there's still a lot of stigma around about around hiring veterans, which I think is um, has just gone a little bit too far. Uh, and then there's really interesting stories that we talk about where um, veterans that are medics, is one of our examples, um, are getting upwards of a million dollars worth of training to handle from the smallest to the largest medical issue in the field um, or in communities around the world. And when they come back, their work credit does not transfer into an EMT credit or um, into nursing school. So there's a lot of work being done right now to figure out how to do that. So we can take people with certain skills and move them directly in, um, at least into a program that then takes what they know 
and advances them into EMTs or physician's assistants or other programs. But it, it does take, uh, and I like to say to the veterans also, don't forget you're coming out with a lot of experience that you just don't even recognize. You've mm-hmm. worked with people on a team. You've worked under very severe um, time constraints. You've worked with people you don't like or you do like, and you've still had to get something done. In the end, you have to get it done. And that is a work skill that if you're a hiring manager, especially now pre-COVID when perhaps companies are smaller and they're needing to change the way they're doing things, that is an ability that should stand high above. Um, so being able to talk about that in a way that says, I, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in the, in the uncomfortable and I'm comfortable finding answers and solutions for your business. And that's what makes me valuable to you. That's a, that's a big part of the veteran story. Is part of the uh, issue for veterans that they're not used to networking around jobs. They have a different sure. network and now they're um, going into new places. And maybe that's an area that people could be helpful is if they're trying to support veterans is connecting them with other networks. That's absolutely right. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, Kate Migliaro, she's now at Apollo, but she was at, she went to West Point. She and I have had these discussions before, and she said one of the hardest things for any veteran is coming out of an op- operational uh, organization where you are a part of a we, and you go from being a part of a we to an I, and that can be very challenging. And so getting veterans to, um, to network outside of just veteran, because the veterans are very good at networking within their own group, yeah. um, but to network outside is um, is really important. And there's there's great, there's many programs, there's great programs um, uh, that are out there that are about mentoring. There's one called Heroes Linked, um, which is a really good one where you can sign up as a mentor or you can sign up as a mentee. And it just gives you access to people that you would not normally have access to to have a conversation, to ask questions about, well, what is this field like? And, you know, what are you seeing? And, and what do I need to work on? Or, you know, if I'm going in to be hired in, in your field, what, are the, what is the language that I need to use? Back to your point. Um, because that's what people need help with. And we outside of that operate with mentors naturally like that. But when you're in the military, you know, it's not encouraged for you to go up the chain and be, you know, sitting down with the general and be like, how should I present myself? Yes. Um, but, w- but once they get out with these resources, there are, there are ways to do that for them to have great success. Well, I think there are various programs um, emerging pretty quickly on that are marketplaces for matching people who'd like to volunteer during this difficult yep. time with people who need things. So I suspect that that, that mentoring um, and, um, oh, sometimes yeah. reciprocal mentoring, I think that's probably something you can match through online programs. Absolutely. And there's there's great programs like Team Rubicon and, and others where it, it, it does a couple of things. First of all, when you come out of them in with the, regard to the military, but even someone who's just per, perhaps lost their job, you're coming out of a community of people or a team. And we talk a lot at Working Nation about having purpose in life, and um, and and purpose in life means you have you feel that you have value. 
So if you're not going to the office every day or not able to be in that position, there are definitely service organizations um, that do need help. And, you know, I think that's that that they close the gap between, okay, coming out of the military or coming out of a job and falling into this rut of now I don't have any value. Um, and and prepping them up to say, no, you do have value and there is a need in this country now and we're going to slot you into that and we're going to help you through that. I think community in general, it's one of the things in our business, we don't talk as much about community as they do within the, the military world, but it really is true. You operate within your teams and your colleagues are your supporters and, you know, I, I best parts of my career have been supporting my my team members and the people that I've brought on and leading them through changes. So um, I think I'm, I'm optimistic. I think coming out of this, there's going to there's going to be a change in how we operate together, how we look at each other, um, both as workers and as human beings and, and in terms of purpose in life, starting to recognize that not everybody wants to be a, a rocket scientist and not everybody wants to be LeBron James. People want to lead a good life where they can support their families, put food on the table, coach Little League, do whatever it is that makes them feel like, you know, this is a life well lived. I think that's a wonderful statement to end with. I And I, um, I think that like you, I'm kind of optimistic. It, it feels to me that people are grappling with issues and expressing a willingness to support people and to ask yeah. for help that I yeah. haven't seen after looking at these issues for some time. So I, I think not being afraid to reach out and not mm -hmm. being discouraged if the first time doesn't work maybe is a, the way to go. Yeah. Do you have any uh, parting words of advice for people who might be thinking about a job transition? before we end? I would say that um, what we can all join together in is the unknown right now, unfortunately. And instead of leaning towards the fear, um, if we can help each other lean into the possibility, and there are gonna be a lot of possibilities and different parts of the uh, job market are gonna change. Some are gonna come back very quickly. Some are still very robust in cyber and an analytics and, and, and certain areas of healthcare. So, um, you know, personally, my, my own day-to-day -day is helping to support the people around me, both on my team and in my family and those that I love to say, yeah, we, we, we don't know a lot, but we do know that we're gonna come back from this and what is that gonna look like and how can I prepare with what little time I have or I have more time and I can take some of these online programs. But there are resources out there that are fantastic. And certainly at workingnation.com, you can find some of those resources. You can reach out and we can direct you towards resources. But there are fabulous, thoughtful leaders in all of those spaces that are really preparing for when this economy not only comes back, but comes back in a very robust way. And I will mention that it's a great site. There is lots of um, interesting articles and that's workingnation.com. I encourage people to look at your site if they're interested in these things. And uh, I think we just don't give up. We just keep going forward. So that's right. Thank you, Joan, for joining me. This was great. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Today, we've been talking with Joan Lynch, an executive with Working Nation, about workforce trends and about how you can navigate the job market. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. 
I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that reinvention is an endless process. Staying in good shape for the evolving job market means you have to keep learning and you have to keep up with technology and you should keep broadening your social network. Thanks for joining us today. I wish you well as you keep building your resilient career.